You're listening to Reflections, a soul music podcast with Jamie and Ash, where we discuss the classic albums with the classic songs. Welcome to another Reflections music podcast. Um, the podcast where we talk about classic soul albums. Currently, we are doing uh, Neo Soul Retrospective. Um, this is episode seven. We've done, up to now, six US acts, big acts, really good acts. But now we've got our first UK artist. And I think uh, he's very deserving to be the first UK artist, I think, especially in terms of this genre. Um, that would be Mr. Lyndon David Hall, rest in peace. He passed from cancer in 2006, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah, I think 2006. Um, which was a shame because I'm sure he had a lot more music to give. Um, yeah. But um, Ash, you tell me, Lyndon David Hall, how did you feel back in, I think, what, Sexy Cinderella came out in 97, right? So, yeah. yeah so back in 97, what was that like? Um, 97 didn't hit me as much. 98 definitely hit me a lot mm-hmm, more. Mm-hmm. In 98, I was just starting at the Brit School. So starting at the Brit School, when one of their alumni is releasing an album that is kind of heavily linked to an artist that you've kind of been idolising um, from afar and and you know that this guy is, is from the place that you're going and he's from South London... Um, was a was a massive deal um i bought all of the singles on vinyl because then i was djing um so i used to dj play his stuff i used to do soulful sets i used to do like a warm-up soul set at a club night basically where there'd be an upstairs chill out room and then downstairs is where the garage and the r&b and jams and stuff and i would like be setting a, a nice tone and his music was perfect for it it's perfect relaxed calm soulful vibes um and very british as well um you know if we we look at at the neo soul scene like we you know we haven't touched on anyone really we've talked a little bit about Sade's influence on the maxwell album mm-hmm. where Sade was early 90s and i think Sade's a good a good person to talk about at the start of all of this british stuff because she was a, a perfect embodiment of i don't I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's a it, to a certain extent it's seen as a barrier rather than an advantage of being black and British in the music industry. Being black and British, you are influenced by so many different sounds, and um, let alone just being English and and the amount of guitar music that you are exposed to on a day to day basis. Um, and then you have your own roots, whether you are, are part of the African diaspora and you have a lot of, of Afro vibes and, and Felakute and, and that kind of stuff in your household. Or if you're of the Caribbean vibe and you've got a lot of reggae and Calypso and Soca going, coming through you. Then you have the American influence and you're listening to all of this amazing soul music that's coming from America as well. Americans and American soul music don't have the wide range of influences in their in their musical upbringing you know it's pretty much an american based sound and 
if you do kind of spread out as we did in our last podcast with Lauren Hill and you can hear the reggae influences in her through marriage and mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it's out there and you know she's one one example of someone and I can't really think of too many others who actually have a bit of that Caribbean influence in them or have a bit of that African influence in their music it's all kind of deep rooted in this soul sound so when you have a black British product who has all of these influences and as when we dig into this we'll see like this is him like this is his songwriting this is his production it's it's, it's all coming from him mm -hmm. so that's all of his influences um you know you're gonna end up with this sound that isn't the generic sound that you say yes this is neo soul this is american soul this is what i'm used to this is what i'm looking for when i when I look for a neo soul record, instead you get this this product, which is you don't really know where to place it, and you don't really know what it what it does for you or what it can do for you. Um, so you're left a little bit conflicted because then you're comparing it to the others, and he was compared a lot to D'Angelo. And if you compare the two, there, there's no comparison, and there shouldn't be a comparison because they're actually two different products. Entirely, even down to the fact that D'Angelo is more keys based and he's more guitar based. Exactly. Like, that, that's, like straight away, it's, it's two different sounds and they shouldn't be compared just because they sing in a bit of a falsetto. Like, it's lazy marketing, lazy marketing. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's hard being black and British and, and having that sound, um, which is authentically him, but at the same time, means that it's hard to find your niche audience when your niche audience is caught up in an American soul sound and doesn't really appreciate or, or, or caught up in reggae or caught up in R&B. They're not caught up in the in the merging of all those sounds coming together. If yeah. that makes sense. No, it does. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And on my re-listening, this is that's what I'm getting from it. It's it's uh, it is definitely an amalgamation of all these influences. I mean, you, mm -hmm. hear, you hear everything in there from Al Green to, I don't know, to that there's a song we'll get into it when we do the best of the rest but um i'll just touch on it quickly living a lie this sounds yeah. like this sounds like 80s uk soul loose ends vibe that that bass line that it starts with we'll get into it and i was just like whoa there's that influence right there and then you can hear like the sade stuff and it's it's really damn good and just like you say with the guitar it was surprising but yeah let's get into it and um um i'll just I'll just say what I felt about it at the time. Um, as usual, I was hating. Um, <laughs> I, I I hated on him initially, and it's a it's a recurring theme because in those in that time I wanted to be an artist, and I was just looking at. I was like, "There's no British people doing this kind of stuff." Then I'm gonna be the first, and then this guy comes out and he's like, "Why are you raining on my frigging parade, Lyndon?" <laughs> like like why are you do why are you doing this to me and um uh, yeah so i hated at first um i really did and then i think uh, a friend of mine got the album and he played he played me two tracks he goes oh you'll definitely like these two tracks and he played medicine for my pain and he played crescent moon and then i was just like oh for crying out loud it's actually good freaking hell <laughs> yeah so yeah that, so that's that but um, yeah let's get into it so uh, let's let's go to the top all right so this album was released twice okay the original release was november 10th 1997 okay same year as 
97, who was that? I was Erica Badu. Rasan Patterson was 97 as well, we've done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, same year as those guys. Um, it was re-released a year later, November 2nd, 98. It was on a label I'd never heard of before <laughs> called Cool Tempo. You hadn't heard of the label before? Cool Tempo. No. You've never heard of Cool Tempo? No, and it's weird oh. because I was looking at who the other artists that run it um, and it had a lot of a lot of artists that I know on it like brand new heavies on it and but just not you just not um uk acts i think uh, rest development were on it as well um yeah so obviously those american artists they were probably signed to an american label but for their uk release they were going through cool tempo so yeah i don't know why i never knew them but yeah so that was nice and uh, they were uh, uh, an imprint or subsidiary of emi cool tempo for people who like that stuff um, to the album now, producers and writers. So all tracks written by Linda David Hall, all tracks produced by Linda Hall with some co-production. And uh, I'll, I'll get to the first dude because uh, I'd never heard of him before. So the first uh, producer that's, that's heavily on this album is a guy called Tim Lathan. Uh, he's primarily an engineer, uh, but he does have some production credits with Della Soul, Erica Badu, Black Eyed Peas, Tribe Called Quest. And then the second dude, our man again, Bob Power. He's just all over it. Um, uh, if you remember from previous podcasts, he's worked with D'Angelo, Erica Badu, The Roots, and countless other people. He's just a big dude. And it seemed like the go-to guy if you wanted that sound at the time. And really impressive. It really impressive that yeah. the UK did that. That a UK level mm-hmm. label sent him out there to work with him right. on... On it, and I, I didn't, I didn't know that until yesterday mm-hmm. when I was going through the album notes, and I yeah. saw his name, and I saw the tracks that he was linked to, and it's all the best tracks, know. right? <laughs> it's it's all my favorite tracks. Like, there's, there's one that I don't like as much, but like <laughs> my favorite tracks are are those ones. Yeah, and absolutely, make perfect sense. It's just like oh, yeah, that's why. Like, that's, that's why that's I did, I did the exact that same guy. thing. I did the exact you same know, thing. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's why. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah, and it's like, like you say, well done to the label for uh, hooking him up with someone that is that good and is that accomplished, especially in that sound or trying to get that sound, you know? So, yeah, and also, I mean, the other guy um, is Tim, right? Tim Lathan, um, yeah. Yeah, like, that's an LA-based yeah. guy. So, you know, mm-hmm. again, they didn't, they didn't just coop him up in in london and record this like they sent him out to new york to bob power they sent him out to la to work with with tim like you know that's that's really great positive investment from a, a label into into an artist that okay they'd seen the success of d'angelo and maxwell so okay can this be our guy and you know someone's really rooted for him someone's really pushed it um and they backed it up with some money, um, which again, in a time when we we talk about labels a lot and they're them not getting it and their lack of support uh, and all that kind of stuff, like this is actually an example of a label getting it and and doing some really good work. They didn't do a great job overall, but no, like there there are some elements here where props need to go out to whoever was manning it. Um, cause I, I don't know. Do you think he would have said, "I want to go and work with this person"? Um, like, I, I feel like he would have wanted to do it all himself. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, so he was signed by uh, Trevor Nelson. Uh, had a lot to do with his signing, 
And I like to think that Trevor Nelson would have had his, his finger on the pulse and would have been like, maybe it's worth working with these guys because they were all yeah. over these albums, blah, blah, blah. But like you say, the way Lyndon comes across to me, because he can do everything. Do you know what I mean? I was I saw an anecdote um, somewhere, I can't remember where it was, that he was doing a show and his bass player was late. So he just got up on the bass and just played the bass and just did the show playing bass. And just like, he's a, he was clearly a dude. Do you know what I mean? So he, I can imagine he had that mindset. It's like, well, I could do, I could do it all. You know what I mean? I'll find the musicians. I've got the musicians. I'm from Brit school. Probably not shitload of musicians, you know. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like Brit kids at that time, like it's a little bit different now but mm. your your ethos was that you are learning about the whole of the industry and mm. all parts of it and you are you are self-contained you're spending time in the studio you're spending time right. doing songwriting you're spending time on your instrument and obviously whatever your your specification is whatever you're good at you know you you spend a bit more time on but it wasn't about churning out a pop star if a, if you were churning out a pop star, then you were doing, you were studying musical theatre. You weren't studying yeah. music. If you were studying music at Brit School, you were there to hone your craft yeah. and become a, a credible artist, which is, you know, what came out a lot around that time. Mm -hmm. Although saying that Dame Bowers did come a little soon after him with another level, and that was pop stars. There were two Brit guys in there. In there. No way. I did yeah, not know Dave, that. Dave Bowers and Wayne Williams yeah. were both were both Brit kids. I did not know that. Get and out. then the other two guys were pretty much like models. Like yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they didn't... The, the two musical ones, yeah, were from Brit. I did not know that. That's, that's, that's wild. Okay. Cool. See, in my head, it's just like it's just like uh, Lyndon. Lyndon. Now, now I know that now I know that Lyndon went to the Brit school, and it's like Lyndon, Amy Winehouse. Who are the other big, big people uh, from? Katie Melwa. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and obviously Adele. Yeah, exactly. So, Dane, Dane Bowers, and Wayne, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, that that definitely maybe. Leona Lewis as well. Maybe yeah. maybe Brit school doesn't sort of like promote. The whole Dane Bowers thing when they're doing when they're doing the prospectus, they like, like then. we like, all knew about it then. We all knew about it then. Definitely. Oh man! Yeah. I just gotta say, as a as a as not a South Londoner, like like why did Lyndon have to be from South London? So you got you got you got Lyndon and you got uh what's the Liana Le Havis, both from South. What's North London doing? What what are we doing? What have we got? This is this is jarring me. I don't know, and then we've got Storms as well. And then you got Stormzy as well. And Dave, like yeah. a lot of the new wave. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. What's going on? Anyway, we digress. All right, so first single, Ash, first release, "Sexy Cinderella," thirteenth of October, ninety-seven, written by Hall himself, produced by Hall and Bob Power. Um, all the chart positions today will be UK chart positions because he never charted in the States. I don't even know if these would have got been released. I couldn't find any data around uh, US releases. But it doesn't matter. So chart position was 45. That's the peak position. So, you know, back in those days, it was all about the top 40, right? On top of the pops. So yeah, he probably... He, so 45. I mean, not bad. So this got re-released, right? So it's with the remix. Do you want to do yeah. it? Do you want Do you want to do it together, or should we just do the? Let's do it together. What do it together, right? So when they re-released the album a year later, 
they re-released Sexy Cinderella, but it was the remix, the C and J remix, the Cut Father and Joe remix. Do you remember it's it? Awful. It's awful. Yeah. I've been listening to it. It's awful. It's, but... it's bad, but it's very much of that time. I swear they did a... I swear it sounds like they did that um, Gabrielle and E17 tune. Yeah, they're the go-to. Yeah. They're uh, the go-to name of the time. So, yeah, definitely. You know, it makes sense. It makes sense. And it, it, again, a, a common a common theme at that time to get a remix to your tracks uh, to reach out to a different audience that may well push more sales. Um, overall, the singles were were not seen as purely an advert for the album. Single sales, although they were starting to wane at that point, but they were still important. There was still a way to make money for the label as far as they were concerned. Well, ex- um, exactly. So when you see it, so uh, the remix was released a year later, 19th of October, 98. Um, and its chart position was 17. So much better, much better. And obviously putting... Uh, Lyndon into a more more mainstream you know so like his face was better known now I yeah. guess but then he, yeah he had a year he, he had, a, he had year. a year he had the he had the MOBO did he win a MOBO or was he just nominated oh no, no he, he won MOBO he, in 98 and, and he was nominated, nominated for Brit yes it yeah yeah in the February afterwards so so he's had all that <laughs> I know you hate the remix so let's talk about let's talk about the, the original tell me Sexy Cinderella Ash uh, it's, it's an anthem and uh, it's great. I love the fact that um, despite how I opened um, the cast like talking about you know it's hard as a fan to really work out where it's placed if you if you talk to to black British people that love soul music this is an anthem mm-hmm. not quite on the level of Omar's there's nothing like this because no. it's not on that level but it has an almost cult status like people know about it. People know the song, people know the tune. They heard it on the radio, it was backed by Choice, it was backed by Kiss. Like if you if you were growing up in the 90s in this country, you know that song and you know of that song. Well, it, obviously if you were from a black, mm-hmm. black background, you know, it, it didn't kind of cross over massively, mm-hmm. but if you were into black music, yeah. You knew about him and you knew about it and you knew about it because of this song. You didn't know about him because of anything else, although that came later in his career. Um, this is what you knew Lyndon David Hall for. It, it was it's a stunning song. Like it's, it, Again, it, it's testament to his songwriting. He's really good throughout of just these really clever songs really clever catchy hooks that just are sexy cinderella Mm. no no one's done that Mm. who's done that who's written a song like that you know it's almost midnight and i've been dying to see you under the moonlight Mm. you know really good easy lyrics to remember you know got that whole falsetto and lazy Mm. vocal thing going on um which again is a great introduction to him as an artist because you know he is kind of he's very calm he's very Mm very cool with it and not cool as in look at me cool just mm-hmm. just unassuming yeah. like you know understated introverted in his coolness like i'm just a quiet guy i'm just here to do my thing you know um but he still got as as much as understated as he is he still has this kind of star this star performer quality about him and you can hear it in his vocal and his delivery of the songs and it's like yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I'm understated. But you know, I'm a little, I'm a little bit gangster at this. Come back up what I'm singing and the words that I'm saying. 
um, and he's he's really cool, and I, I like it. Yeah, you know? what you, what you're saying that comes across, that really comes across when you when you see his live performances. Not that he's not uncomfortable in the videos, um, but when he when you see him live and he's got the guitar in his hand, he's got with the band. It's just like he's like master. Of, you can tell he's the master of that stage. He's well in control. He knows what what he's doing, and um, that really impressed me. And this song for me, I liked it, but I didn't want to like it. Obviously, I was hating, <laughs> so I liked it a lot. The groove, it just as soon as it starts, so much groove, so much groove. As soon as it starts, you're just like, yeah, this this is a banger. Like straight away, I hadn't listened to it in years before we decided to do this podcast. Put on the put on that track because that's the that's always the, that's the go-to track you you listen to, and I, it, instantly I was just like I was right back I was like yeah this is a tune man, it yeah and iconic organ keys again oh man like, so good following following D'Angelo a little bit with Brown Sugar with mm-hmm. that opening but as it gets into it it it, it becomes its own entity uh, and it and it is him you know? yeah but really nice sound really nice sound yeah I'm I'm not I'm not really surprised surprised that it's that um it's kind of like you say it's d'angelo-esque initially there's a couple of songs that i think start off like brown sugar style and then like you say it just it just veers off into into linden's own thing because he has his own thing and maybe some of that is working with the american guys and they're, they're saying well this what this what worked with these guys over here so we're going to put a little bit of that in it and then obviously you got him obviously co-producing it's like okay let's take it here so nice mix actually because the production the one thing i will say across all the songs whether i like them or not the production of the tracks are, are top notch it's like good production right th- all the way through so yeah and um yeah i love this track despite my hating i i didn't want to like love it but i loved it then i love it now hate the remix with a passion yeah, it's awful. And, and i hate it on two two counts i hate it musically because i think it's just it's just trash but i also hate it for the fact that they need to do this shit remix in order he needed to do the shit remix in order for the wider public to get to know him or to like him or I, I to be, become more accessible I, I don't think it i don't think it was this remix that got it to 17 as opposed to the number 45 when it was first released mm. i think it's just the fact that the cult status of that song had grown over the year that it had been released. Mm. I, I don't think, I think that remix is more to try. And again, what a lot of labels did with black artists at that time, if they, if they're scared, if they're concerned, they try and give it a poppy R and B remix, which is this mishmash of sounds that doesn't actually appeal to anyone <laughs> um, to, to try and to try and cross them over. And it doesn't work. I, I really feel like the strength of, of this song and the reason why it got to where it needed to get to at number 17 was because, again, it, more people knew him, it had built up. And actually just the quality of the song. Like, this is, this song is his legacy, unfortunately. Not, not unfortunately. I say unfortunately because his first single, you never want someone's first single to be the only thing that they're remembered for. That's peaking right at the start which is sad you know however as a legacy song yes it is something that should be up there with brown sugar and with benet's spiritual thing and yeah with it's- Ascension. like in terms of this is my tune that everyone's going to know me for yeah it deserves that status and it deserves to be higher up the charts and breaking the top 40 you know i feel like 
most of the all of the artists we've done up to now especially the big the big three the the, the first three we did um they've all got a signature tune and i think we all we i think we decided that that's the tunes they're known for even now even though they've they've gone and done other tunes other great tunes you know yeah. brown sugar you say ascension and then obviously on and on for yeah. for erica right so there's there's no shame in your first tune being like the one you're known for. You know, if I had a song that was that good and it was that widely known and people, you know, knew me, knew me for that tune, I'd be happy. It's a great song. Mm -hmm. So anything else to say in this one? Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. So do you know what the next one is, Ash? You got an idea? I think I do. I don't know what the order is, though. So All right, you... cool. It was Do I Qualify, released 2nd of March, 98. Written by Hall, this time produced by Hall and Latham. This one, chart position of 26. Definitely interesting. I reckon, I, I think, it's just, it's more jiggy. And it's kind of, 2nd of March release, we're coming into springtime, right? It's got that kind of, coming into summer, I could imagine they would have been maybe pushing for this tune. It's, it's got that sort of like happy summer, summery, chill vibe kind of thing um i didn't like it much at the time but i understood what it was doing <laughs> if, you, if that makes sense i understood what it was for and listening to it now it's like it it firmly sits in that sort of like you use eric benet spiritual thing type thing it sits in that kind of yeah it's it's that kind of bouncy summery listen to it in your car vibe or at a barbecue or it's it's just there um yeah it's good yeah, it's not up there for me as one of his best, but it did the job and he gigged it out a lot. Like when you go on YouTube, he, he's doing this a lot and I like it better live, but I like a lot of these songs better live. I think he does a better job of them live. But yeah, it's okay. Um, and I reckon the chart position, even though it's not better than Sexy Cinderella, but I can imagine that it it, it was more, more in line with what, a, what people wanted to hear, if that makes sense. It's... it's it's hard for me, hard for me to say, but I just think it's it's a bit more jiggy, and it's a bit more of a dance. You can dance to this one a bit more as well. So there is that. That's my feeling on it. But yeah, it's it's this one's okay. It's okay. What about you? I mean, you don't want to release a a brand new artist with a relatively new sound in the fourth quarter. Like, <laughs> it's not when you release those artists, like unless you unless someone is really thinking, yeah this guy is going to be the one and you put a massive kind of bankroll into it. But even then they would have had the whole of the summer building up to that release. And, and then you would have released it in September. So it would grow over the fourth quarter rather than releasing it in November, a March release, a spring release. That's the time when you release or introduce an artist like this into the world and you allow them to grow over mm -hmm. the year. Um, and then you release the album at the end of the year or you release the album whenever. Like, but you give them that time to kind of grow over the spring, over the summer and into the autumn. Um, and well, I think that's, that's well, part of the reason why this song did better. Well, well that's, what it, that's what it is. It's like, it's like they released like Cinderella the October before 97 and it's like they reset everything. Then when come March, then do I qualify? And then you got the rest and then the re-release of yeah. Sex and Relate is like later in the year and that makes the, the release that release schedule is way makes way more sense than like you say 
sense. Make way more sense, yeah. Um, it's a much better video as well. Yeah, exactly. So if you see the red art, it's, mm-hmm. it's really slick. It's like it, it fits him. And again, something that I was talking about before, like he he shows some of that star quality, like where we was talking about Rashawn Patterson and him not really looking comfortable in, in anything he was doing. <laughs> like as, as introverted and shy as Lyndon is, like he's still got a bit of swag about him and he's still oh, yeah. got a confidence in him that... You know, I, I, I can do this star thing a little bit. I'm not quite fully in your face, but I've got a bit of X factor about me and, and something there. And it, it comes across really well. I don't like the song. I just, I really just have not too much good to say about it at all. Like I just I don't like the production choices. I think he's a bit whiny. Do I qualify? <sighs> like, you're not a bad man. I'm twice as rude as he is. You're not as rude as anyone. Like, like, be real. Like, that's not you. That's not your game. Like, so don't play that game. Um, I I understand his frustrations, but like, yeah, you're you're not a bad man. So don't talk about Mm. being a bad man. Be Mm -hmm. you. Like, um, but I can, I I believe why it, it sounds better live. And there's a bit, like after after the second chorus is, uh, and I think there's a bridge where there's a little bit of a strip breakdown where there's no vocal or anything like that, and it, they're just playing, and it comes up. It happens in quite a few of the tracks on the album, you know, where it, they carry it on just a little bit longer, or they have a slightly longer intro than just kind of coming straight in to allow the music to breathe and allow playing to breathe, and you can just you can hear that it's been built or the way he builds his song isn't necessarily in a, a, a production point of view. It's more of a, a full band, whole sound frame of view. And this is how the song's going to come together. And actually, like a lot of these songs, it, it, the song all of a sudden sounds a lot better in that point. Yeah. At that point, it grabs me and I'm like, oh, I'm actually feeling this a bit now. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I've not been feeling it the whole of the rest of the song and now I've come to this bit and you're playing the same chord sequence that you've been playing the whole way through but you're just grooving it a little bit more you're just jamming it a little bit more and it just sounds a bit natural and yeah. it, it feels like if if this guy had done a live album it would have been insane and it would have been stunning. I think yeah. I think he would have he would have been able to show himself off and his ability a lot more and one even more people over to what he was about rather than just this, you know, shy, quiet, sexy, laid back soul singer, you know, like, um, but, but yeah, I, I, again, like I said, I think they did a really good job with the video and there are parts of the song where I'm like, yeah, man, this guy, this guy's an awesome musician. Mm-hmm. Really awesome musician. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's got, it's got those elements in it. Like it's not bad. It's just that it's not great. It's just not great. Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah. I I, bypa- I bypassed it at the time, and I'm and I still bypass it now. Really, to be honest, especially yeah. listening to the album. Yeah. All right, moving on. Third release, twenty second of June, nineteen ninety eight. Crescent Moon, written by Hall, produced by Hall and Power. I love this tune, and love it, j- j- it's it's got that. It's got that sixty soul vibe that I just can't get enough, and I know like you hear that you heard you hear the bass line, and you kind of hear that that bass line a thousand times on a thousand songs in those in that in that era, but it grabs me every time. I can't help it, and he 
it's just it's just it's just a wonderful song it's beautiful production is beautiful uh it's the one it's the it's the song on the album that when my friend played me the album i immediately i was like oh damn it man why did you have to have this tune now i've got oh man it was so so it's yeah it's it's lush it sounds lush and you know like we were talking about rasan patterson and and having uh, you know having a full production like a like like big production with with orchestra strings and all that stuff this has got it i mean and and the album um in the album notes the credits um it's like just it just lists all these like strings and all this stuff going on it's just like it was a big production do you know what the record company put a lot of money behind this album um so fair yeah, play did. fair play to them um they did a good job and it and it shows in production quality this is excellent and uh yeah i can't <laughs> i can't gush enough about it what are you saying yeah i mean it's it didn't stand out to me well it did stand out to me at first but at, at the time it you know i was always on sexy cinderella and a couple yeah. of other songs it's it's something that over the years the more that i listen to it the more it just it jumps out at me every time i listen to the album it just its quality stands out from everything else on the album it's yeah, such right? a complete beautiful song um the strings really add a lot to it um like and the orchestration of them and the way they come in and how they're dynamically used on the record mm-hmm. um again just helps to build it up and keep it flowing and there's there's this I, I get a lot of this caribbean vibe from it in the groove and the relaxedness of it you know you know he talks about going to antigua and you know and, and that's that's his roots like um the, the bridge is awesome. It builds up. It like it's the kind of song that I would expect to hear in uh you know four weddings and a funeral or yeah. Bridget Jones Diary. Like mm-hmm. this song was was made for those films. And again, it's a shame that he he didn't get that type of attention. No, I mean it, he did. That would have crossed him over. Yeah, yeah he, it, did. It, he did it. And um, love actually. Uh, Love actually, yeah, which like a year before he dies, yeah, I know, so late, right? When, when actually, like six years, eight years prior, he had the tune, he had it, he already had it for you, like, and and no one in sync has has kind of seen that this is a great kind of connect and this is a British artist, and maybe it's the fact that you know we're going off tangent here a little bit but maybe the fact that love actually does have such a diverse cast mm-hmm. that someone on that cast would have suggested why don't we get him in to sing in as part of this wedding scene it's not it's not like his song is featured on the soundtrack no it's been in as a cameo singer for uh for a wedding you know and uh, yeah I, I don't know it's, again it's, it's another thing on diversity in the industries and and so forth but you know again it's just so much quality like this this for me encapsules everything that he could have been you know everything he could have been if if they'd have kept putting money in or if we'd have been at a different space in time like if this album had done the numbers that Liana Le Havis's first album had done um and therefore they continue investing in her and she gets the support tour with Coldplay. So her her audience continues to expand and she continues to grow. Um, like if he'd had that, I think we'd have had a lot more of this. Instead, we get 
less money put into the the second and the mm-hmm. third album is an independent release so the overall quality to allow him to push through just isn't yeah. there no. and it unfortunately it keeps him on on a basic is is underselling him you know yeah. he's doing a disservice to his talent but it just keeps him at this intermediate level rather than pushing him to the space where he could be um, which is something that someone like Karim Bailey Ray, Liana Lahabas, they have been able to to kind of push mm-hmm. up and keep going. But I think a lot of that is down to the groundwork that he and this album did. Yeah. Like he started that work. He started creating that place where the the UK, the Black British soul sound. And I mean, like in Grime, we have our our black hip hop. You know, for a long time in the 90s when, you know, people were rapping with American accents and not really finding themselves. Like, in Grime, we now have that, you know, and that's come through Jungle and it's through Garage and it's, it's got to that place where this is the UK's hip-hop sound. Um, I didn't... We definitely, at that point as well, didn't have that UK soul sound. Like, we had no. Omar, we had Lyndon David Hall, but we didn't have a sound that... Not that really. ...crowd to kind of embrace and to you know i feel like maybe this is another for another podcast but i feel like in terms of like uk soul sound i think we had one in the 80s i think it was one in the 80s when it was like kind of bass driven and kind of had that had that reggae influence with the with the bass and all that stuff and then kind of when i went away from that it kind of went into in the 90s went more into the acid jazz type type Mm -hmm. vibe and we had we had all that which you i guess you could say is is a uk sound and that 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 bread like your choirs and all those people and we have to do, we have to do that podcast because yeah that's gonna be mega anyway um yeah but you're right though about about him and this song and you know what his legacy could have been and um yeah it's it's a shame because you like this does encapsulate what could have been because it's it's almost perfect you like you know I I say a lot I don't like his voice but I think his voice is perfect on this. <laughs> I think I think everything is 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 done so right. Um, it, it, just it, like, the whole track is just yeah. built perfectly for yeah. him to stick over, and it just it showcases his voice in the best mm-hmm. light. Like, yeah, he's not a pound for pound. I'm gonna knock you out with my vocal. He's not bring look at my amazing range. Look at my strength. It's just a a really nice vocal that just yeah. sits over everything i think he's his, uh, yeah his vocals are all about a vibe capturing a vibe and i think it does that hence why i can listen to him because if i really hated his voice i couldn't listen to his music at all because that's how it, yeah. that's how it works but yeah it creates a vibe and it works on his tunes and um moving on to we'll get yeah we'll get to the next one i think um his voice well the next release is medicine for my pain and talking about his voice on this one this is a very uh tender song right heartfelt and his voice does lend itself to this as well because it does have that kind of because it's not a strong voice it sounds kind of vulnerable it has that vulnerability in it yeah and it it really it really shines on this tune and then yeah this tune let me say released 29th of march 99 it's the last release from the album written by hall produced again by hall and bob power um maybe my second favorite track on the album maybe maybe i love this tune and i love the video um 
I, I'd never seen a video um, to this. The black and white one. The black and white one where it's just like close up of him. It's just, yeah. and it, it works in, in, its, in its simplicity. It just works. It's just so good. It's so like, to use the word again, it's so vulnerable and it's like tender. It is moist. But you know what though? You know, like this is not, this song is not standout soul. Which in my memory it was, <laughs> but listening back, it's this. This is kind of like this is like a, almost like a pop ballad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a pop ballad, and I feel like it only reached number forty-five in the charts. I feel like if someone else at the time, like, uh, yeah, it would have been like a, a top ten for sure. Yeah, because and, and that's because of the name. Yeah, you know, obviously exactly. Gabrielle the amazing vocalist as well. Yeah, uh, and she would she would have sung, you know, it brilliantly. Yeah, um, but yeah, a name and a branding thing. Right, uh, it's good enough. Because... Which is the same thing that could be said about most of this album. Mm-hmm. Most of the songs are good enough. There's just certain things in there that don't fit right. But anyway, sorry. No, no, you're fine. And yeah, like I say, this song is is excellent song. Like lyrics are very good i wouldn't have noticed the lyrics back then because <laughs> i didn't listen to lyrics much but listening now the lyrics are very good um not such a storyteller exactly i was just saying not like is it they're not like deep lyrics but he manages to weave he weaves a story and it it drags you in and accompanied with the video as well when you watch it you just like man i feel everything you're saying Lyndon. i feel it like it's it's excellent and again production is very good um really different to what to probably anything else on the album i think this this one stands alone really it's yeah it's the most sort of i shouldn't even like this tune it's, it's really moist but it's it's like his version of whenever wherever whatever <laughs> from that it's that moist but for some reason it doesn't bother me as much as that tune no, but I, because it's not an in your face moistness yeah yeah, it's 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 really nice, man. It, it, it's very him. It's it's understated. He, he's he's hitting you like without you realizing you're being hit. You know, he's he's catching you with just this little hook. You know, it's not a big standout knockout, but actually it hits you and it it knocks you down. Like because he is that good. Um, I mean, when I listen to it, I feel like actually in some places it gets a bit overproduced and it could just do just being stripped down like one of the reasons why it stands out a lot as well as it's kind of poppy ballad like feel to it is that a lot of it is kind of really him and the guitar yeah and you know and it's the kind of song that you know he could have been sitting in his bedroom strumming writing mm-hmm. i mean writing and pulling together mm-hmm. you know um and for me i feel like actually it could have just done with just being him and a bit of string accompaniment and nothing else. Yeah, all the all the all the other stuff. It, it, I don't it kinda, like it when it comes in. Like, yeah, it makes it, it really. Away. It's got that sort of like nineties UK tackiness to it, which is weird because obviously it's power. It's power, right? So it's a bit weird. But maybe this is not what he. This is not the sound that he usually does. So maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe he he didn't. Or, may, or maybe it was more Lyndon. I don't know. You don't know. It was co-produced. I don't know, yeah. but it's it's a bit it's a bit of a departure, like when it when when it sort of like builds up and I, I feel like they they were trying to keep it minimal, but in trying to keep it minimal by adding those extra little frills and bits, it kind of made it bigger than it needed to be. That's why again, live, when he does it just with the guitar, 
like acoustically it's just it's just amazing yeah mm. and, he, and he performs it really well um but yeah it's still a great great song and it's uh, uh i think it's a travesty that it didn't do better than it did i mean number 45 it's just it's it's, it's not a reflection on what this song is and yeah which is yeah. which is common in the game anyway. But it's, it's common. It is common. It it just hurts my heart, Ash. It hurts my heart. It just it, again, it, but it's a branding thing. Like yeah. we said, if he if he'd written that for Gabriel, mm-hmm. Gabriel, you know, again, you're looking at top ten. Yeah. You know, and Easily. Again, maybe I don't know if he did much songwriting work outside of it, but it, someone would have been crazy not to give him a publishing deal and get him working with other singers, like you know. He, Unless he didn't want to give away his songs, but like that, that would have been a, yeah a no-brainer for me. No-brainer. Um, yeah. yeah, I make you right. I make you right on that one. We've come to the end of the releases. Hmm. Best of the rest, Ash. I am gonna give you the three that I like, um, but then I'm gonna then you're gonna give me what you like. Tell me about yours, and then I'll tell you why I like mine. Let's do it that way. So my best of the rest are Do Angels Cry, Jimmy Lee. And living a lie. Living a lie. Um, I spoke about it earlier. Um, no, I'll let you talk about yours. You talk about your ones, and then we'll see if there's any kind of. Do we have we? Uh, is okay. any crossover there? Uh, Angels, which wasn't on the first release. It was on the on the re-release. Uh, no way. Yeah, the album that I've got, Angels, isn't on it. It ends on Medicine for My Pain. Uh, I've got the vinyl. Shizzle. I want the vinyl album. And, and again, a common trait. 90 mm. re-released the album with mm-hmm. two or three bonus tracks to try and get the people that originally bought the album to buy it again mm-hmm. or but in natural fact it just pissed everyone off um and yeah so angels is just oh, it's incredible uh and right. again once you've um when you've had a when you've had experience of death um and a range of, of experiences with death it, it's yeah an incredibly impactful song um and then even more impactful just the fact that he's gone now right so so okay this makes a lot of sense to me right so i i thought see i thought i just totally forgot about this album because i would have had the original um and my my cd's all packed up somewhere but i'm sure if i go to my cd's i've got the original release and i didn't know this tune until this time listening listening back on the spot on spotify and i was just like this is a banger this is like it's got a great guitar riff it's like it's all guitar it's acoustic number it's like it's, it's great it's, it's what we were talking about before yeah like when medicine for my pain gets a little bit overproduced this doesn't it exactly exactly where it needs to and you know and this guitar work on it like towards the end the way he ends it and switches it up you know, like, oh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful way to finish the song. Oh, man, you it's know? so good. Finish the album, to finish an album like that, just, yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, incredible song. And, um, yeah, just one of those songs like like Dancing With My Father, uh, with Lufa, like, you know, yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. really captures death and loss um, in a wonderful way um, that just yeah it brings a tear to the eye almost um depending yeah. on your relationship mm-hmm. with or, um, exactly i love that one um i don't i don't overly love living and lie 
but I love the message and and where he's going with it. Like he's a singer that is you know, supposed to be all about soulfulness and sexiness, and I'm going to seduce you with my my lyrics and my vocal ability. Um, but he's tackling issues. He's taking it on, and he's he's using his platform and he's using his album to to talk about issues that are there about prejudice. About you know, he says, "What, what am I going to tell my kids? Mm. How am I going to tell my kids to deal with this? Like how? Yeah. Why are we living this light? Like it again? Like showcasing his songwriting, but in a different way that he's not just speaking lines to a girl mm-hmm. like you know or talking about heartache and pain like he's he's talking about a different type of heartache and um i think it's it's been lost and it gets lost in the album um you know and again if you're not a lyrics person you're gonna miss it completely absolutely and again it's only through time and age that you know again i've picked up on what he's saying and how he's delivering it like, raw like and it stands up in today's climate mm-hmm. in today's racial battles he's yeah he's talking about exactly the same things like and this is this is over 20 years ago mm. like madness um but yeah i and i, I do love that baseline intro that, that oh, baseline is awesome um and they, they could keep that running for a good other 16 bars before they bring anything else in and actually when everything else does come in it does come in quite strong mm. I just don't like some of the other production choices yeah. on it you know it's it's just... again um it's better live he does it better live but um yeah this is the last one when i didn't do my best for the rest this was the last one that i added to it and it was only because i saw i watched youtube i saw him do it live and i was just like oh this is a banger really it it really is because because you hear the bass and you just like you can't help but be like yeah this this is there and then it's got that weird kind of little, little synth line which reminds me of loose ends a loose ends tune which I can't for the life of me remember what it is so it just took took me back to that mid eighties vibe when my when my older cousins and my uncles were like the tunes they were playing around like all the UK stuff so yeah yeah but again I didn't love it and I probably don't love the recorded version it's I mean it's okay it's all right it's for the base for the baseline alone it's in my best of the rest for, for the baseline yeah. it's sick and uh, um you go for me, the other one yellow and blue yellow and blue do you know like a, a lovely love song like just sweet just it flows like see when when earlier when i was talking about him don't be the bad man like when that's not your game this is your game this is your game <laughs> about being yellow and blue and making a green that the world has never seen. Like his songwriting, it's so, again, it just taps into what he is. It's simple, it's understated, but it, it is perfection. He, like he just weaves he, his lyrics together. He, he really does. A great way. And he's got, I've listened to some of the other tracks from other albums as well. Like um, he's, he's really quirky as well. Do you know what I mean? Which is, which, it's sometimes as a as a black artist um you it's like we shy away of being quirky because it might not be cool but he's got quirky lyric things like um what's the song where he says if i was a if i was a woman or something he says and sort of like yeah, the way the way the way the, yeah it's like it's it's so it's so quirky and it's so out there but you you can miss it because it's dressed up in this sort of neo soul, not overtly masculine, but then he'll just throw in like a funky lyric and you're just like, 
yeah man you've got you're you're there's more to you than this just cool soul dude crescent moon crescent yeah. moon yeah the print right there yeah exactly that exactly that in crescent moon so yeah um but yeah and then it's just there's lots of bits of songs that i like i just i find it hard to be like amazed by it all because again it's just of like a certain quality and and i think he needed a a a second album of this level of investment to kind of really kind of continue pushing or just to be in a different day and age because i I think i think he would have sold better or i think he would have had a better reach now than he would have done back then i think he would have been appreciated more yeah uh, in this in this current world um then the late 90s where the uk urban r&b scene was moving into garage and um you know us r&b and hip-hop and and soul music still dominated and being a british artist you know it was really hard to really try and try and push through um and break past all of that but um yeah, again, I, I think a lot of the work here that he's done in this album has, again, set up the the narrative and the opportunity for other UK artists to go on and really define that current UK-British soul sound that we now have that isn't an American soul sound. It, it is its own entity. It is its own amalgamation of all of these different influences that we get being British um, and making it into its soul sound that Karim Bailey Ray, Leanne Lahabas, uh, Michael Kiwanuka have been able to take on and and make. And I feel like we do have a sound now and I feel like we do have a soul. And there are people who just go straight to a US sound and that. Um, and probably the only other UK app we're going to talk about actually had to go out to America to create their status, whereas this guy didn't. He kept yeah. it British, he kept it Afro-Caribbean, mm-hmm. he kept UK, and I think he deserves so many plaudits for that, for doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely, Ash. I think you just summed up the whole legacy vibe, which is going to be my next question. Um, <laughs> it's fine, it's all good. Um, one thing I will say is um, I I have to reiterate what you said about uh, the rest of the album, that there's a lot of songs with a lot of elements that you like, but there's none that sort of... So even, like, I've got Jimmy Lee on here. Jimmy Lee is okay. It's okay, but the it's the outro, it's the guitar solo at the end, which, which grabs me. And I was like, well, that could have... You could have done something a bit more with it. That It's like... So it's cool. It's, 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 it's cool. Um, there's loads and, of good uh, guitar work in there. There's loads of little... How little- do I... Yeah, all the way throughout. Like. How, how did I miss it originally? I I don't understand it because it's just it's the reason no, it's, it's... it's the reason why I like like music that I generally love uh, will have like a certain element of guitar in it, and this has it's all over it. And the guy's the guy's a guitarist basically. You know what I mean? Like that like he, and you can always tell. This is what this is what this is what I love about about music and stuff. Like you can always tell a singer songwriter what what their main instrument is by the by just the way they construct their songs. So you know, like D'Angelo, like with like especially on Brown Sugar, you you know he was all about the organ. You can just you can hear it. Maxwell too, you can hear it. With with uh, Lyndon, you know he's he's writing on guitar. You could you can it's it's just got 
it's just it's the it's the way the 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 songs are coloured and it's just certain chords that it's just you can just you just know that and it's it's a guitar album and it's great it's a bit like listening to Liana Le Havis' uh, album now the latest one you know she wrote and that's what I mean she it, wrote all those on guitar he, yeah he kind of just he's built that for him you know you yeah. see him with a guitar yeah. Michael Kimberly is a guitarist before he is a vocalist right, right? exactly that is part of your UK British experience mm-hmm. because you, whether you like it or not you grow up seeing the Beatles you grow up seeing mm. Oasis and Blur and you know all uh, that stuff and now Kings of no sorry not Kings of Leon oh, uh, can't think of their name but you know even now like mm. there's still guitar bands that you grow up and you mm. can't get away from seeing or being exposed to whether you like it or not mate only going to influence your sound and, and your feel when i was researching researching the research for this this pod i was like i always like to go look at the um the charts if i can find it the charts from back then and the uk charts oh man as a as a as a soul or as any artist doing um doing sort of like urban or black music or whatever you want to call it at the time so difficult i mean the top 10 i mean you got you got your know, oasis is in there you natalie and brulia's is like you got all those um, um, steps are out at the time. Um, Spice Girls are still doing the thing. Well, Spice yeah, Girls no, came out ninety six, right? Yeah. So they so they're right at the height of their of their of their fame, right? So it's like, and that's all straight pop. Not to mention all the guitar bands that were out would have been out at the time. You your, your Blurs and and I can't remember the other dude with Jarvis Cocker. What were they called? Whatever. Pulp, pulp exactly. So Britpop was at his height, right? So just a difficult landscape to navigate. You know, and but he did it. And yeah, and, and more credit as well to the label and to Uncle Trevor. He's <laughs> just, you know, like this is one of the the few occasions that I can say Trevor Nelson played his position and really championed a UK artist and pushed it. Used yeah. His and used his position. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of get someone to to put money into a British artist rather than you know just focusing on the Americans, which mm. a lot top top end djs as much as you respected them and that but you know that's where it was like i, I only used to really listen to american r&b and stuff like that's that's all you could get there but mm-hmm. and i mean look like this album would have it would have probably all been recorded like analog as well like we're still in a time where yeah it's not digital and you can't just record at home and no you know, and do whatever you want to do yeah i know we were still we were still yeah we were still using reel to reel tape in 97 from what I can remember. Yeah, I was, I was using reel-to-reel in 98. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, 98, 99, 2000 was the start. Of yeah, the I, th- I think, yeah. Like, so, you know, it again, yeah. it was working in really tough conditions. Really yeah. Tough. I think you summed that up nicely. I don't have much more to say, apart from that he, I feel like he didn't fulfill his potential, but through no fault of his own. <laughs> for 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 once like sometimes you know like an artist can be their own, own worst enemy but i don't think it's that's him and and who knows um he died in 2006 um when was when was corin bailey corin bailey ray out and all that stuff coming out was that, that 2006 2007 who knows he could have had a renaissance do you know what i mean it could have got another re-release um or he could have been writing for some of those other artists so you know, like, I, I feel like, like his career cut short because I think he wasn't, even though you were saying the third album was an independent release, he was only 31, so it's not to, it's, 
you know, he could have. He could have. Yeah, done I, a lot I, more. I, I don't know why he he wasn't working in songwriting. It makes yeah. no sense to me at all why yeah. he wasn't being put together with other people, even if it was on a pop basis. But maybe he didn't want to bring himself to that. Uh, I don't know. But you know, in the same way that Omar is is still able to to bring out albums now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still does. Like he, you know, he he could have been still doing that. But I think he just would have been a great mentor uh, to these artists that have been coming through, you know, someone like Taria, who, again, another Brit kid who is brilliant. It's an amazing vocalist. And again, suffers from this whole, it's not a traditional UK sound. It's not, sorry, not a traditional US soul sound, but how can I engage with it? Like, it's just amazingness. Um, And I think having people that have been there and done that and being able to tell you where to go, and what to do and, and how to navigate these things. I don't know. Like I watched, um, there was this thing on Channel 4 this week, uh, mm-hmm. the talk, where they were talking about race relations and they had different ah. celebrities. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had the girl from the Saturdays and they had the girl from Little Mix. And it was interesting when they were talking about being black singers in, in this world and how um, Rochelle, the Saturday singer, was saying, right, like, why didn't I speak to that other girl before and give her a heads up? Mm. what to expect and how to navigate it and to how to handle it like just like having that that voice of experience having having uncle linden there i think you know would would help so many people and you know we're not talking about any real male vocalists here we're talking about michael kuanuka but i i can't i struggle to think of any male artists that have really kind of been able to push through in the same manner that Lyndon David Hallward did. If we're talking about James Morrison, we're talking about a completely different type of artist. Yeah, that doesn't... That, UK yeah, singer, yeah. You know, he's not that. He's, no. His music is soulful, but that's, that's not what he does. No. Not just because he's white, it's just, that's mm. not No, not it's, diff- it's different. It's, 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 you know? It's a different so thing. But I, I, I always feel yeah. like, um, when it comes to soul, British artists, they're like, they're, they're caught between a rock and a hard place, I find. It's, <laughs> it's like, you're damned if you if you sound too American, you're, you're you're damned, right? Because it's not it's not. What I find in the UK, they like people always want it to have a UK flavor, right? So if it's too American, they, and this and this uh, this this happened a lot in the nineties. You know when like um, do you remember a group R and B group called Cruise? Yeah, yeah, slap and tickle, right? They were they were actually from Mayans. They were from Hackney actually, um, yeah. and um, they. Slap and Tickle was a banger, but it was so American. And the stuff they'd done before that, I don't know if you would have heard that stuff, but it was like, it was more on that sort of like, because it was like late 80s, early 90s. It was more sort of like that 80s UK, UK soul vibe, but it didn't really sell. So it's like, let's do what the Americans are doing. But they, they got slated for doing that. So, and I, and I feel like that is, is a massive problem that needs to be sort, that needs to be rectified. I don't, I don't understand like how, you can be British and do soul music and have a British slant to it and be like, yeah, we'd, yeah, I'm not really feeling that. We'd rather like listen to like Americans do it and stuff like that. It's like, but then if I do that, you're, you're going to, do you know what I mean? The only people I feel like that have managed to, 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 to buck that trend is Flowetry. Yeah. But did they buck that trend? What do you like, reckon? Their, do you reckon their music was just like, like, like I, I think, American I, I, and do you reckon that's yeah, what it was? I think, yeah, I think if Flow Assist isn't isn't 
rapping or reciting poetry over it in her British voice and her yeah. British native. It's like, just American. Yeah, and it yeah. and yeah, it's an right. American you're, product because they right. went over there to do it. Yeah, like don't don't get me wrong. There's there's a certain element of a London energy and a Brit school energy about it. No, but, but you're right though. It, it, only when she's doing the poetry, only when she's reciting. You're right. The rest of it, because um, what's the singer called? Oh, Marcia Marcia Ambrosius. Yeah. When she's singing, like, that's like, if you didn't know better, you just like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's an Which American is why artist. she's out there. Exactly. And she stayed out there. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like, it, that's what she does, you know? What's, what's the girl at the moment? LMA. Mm. You know? Had to go over there to do her thing and is seen as, I, I think, the American seer as an American artist. And then they hear her talking, oh, you're English. But mm. that's an American product. Yeah. You know? That's why she's got a duet with Usher, like, you know, and what, like, uh, five, five, five shot clock. Like, basketball is not that big in England. It's not big in England. Like, and, and that's your tune. That's your, that's your breakthrough signature tune about basketball, essentially, you know? Like, I know. It's, yeah. It's... You do? There's nothing you can do. But I, again, like I said, I do feel like, steps have been made uh, and progress has been made in an industry you know there's there's a great there's a great south london soul jazz afrobeat scene at the moment um where you know people are combining all of those sounds and all of those influences and being able to release it like KEB, you know when we knew KEB on the circuit she was making amazing soul music and then you know she she got her gig in garage and and house music and dance music, which is great because it means that she's you know she's had a career and she's been mm-hmm. able to do stuff. But now, those same kind of acts, so your your Tom Mishes, mm-hmm. like they're able to create a soulful sound and just be that and do that and do. Yeah, that. I'd like to. I'd, I'd actually like to look at us doing our admin on <laughs> on it, but I'd like to actually do like a um something around like that scene like your tom mishes and all that kind of stuff because uh it kind of i'm kind of late to it it's only like in the last year that i've sort of like sort of like i don't know why it wasn't on my radar um but yeah so i'd, I'd like to do something around it because i think like they're doing some good stuff interesting stuff yeah you know i mean it's great. yeah it's Quality. great anyway ash that's it for linden so all that's left for me is to ask you for your uh Ash recommends. Well, given what we've been talking about, mm-hmm. got to go to the Leanne Lavas album. Are we? We've oh, it so you so haven't you, actually officially given it a, as a recommend, but I think this week it. I wanted to save it for this week because I feel like you've you've sat, everything. It's been about three weeks now, right? Yeah, it's been and, and, and just everything that Lyndon did and everything that Lyndon was about has got us to a space where if you compare Lyndon's third album with this third album from Leanne Lahabas, you you could see what Lyndon could have done and what the work that he did has helped enable Leanne Lahabas to stay on an al- on a on a major label, to have support tour with one of the biggest acts in the world, to be able to enhance her own following and her own influence and continue to be able to create a sound that is hers that is soulful that is british that has elements of folk that has elements of indie that has elements of jazz and and hip-hop and r&b and ultimately 
I will call it soul music because I, I think it is soulful um, in every way. Um, and yeah. Oh yeah, I think it's uh, it's a great album. Um, it's like, but it's been it's three weeks, right? It's been out. Yeah, for right. Weeks. I, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I think it's her best work, man. I know that's 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 crazy because you've only I've only had it for three weeks, but I just keep coming back to it. And like you know, when an album keeps drawing, like you know, for this podcast, we listen to a lot of old school stuff, and like you know, I've, there's a lot that I, there's a lot that I need to listen to <laughs> in order to do yeah. this pod. But I keep coming back to this album, and I'm just like, it's so damn good. It like it's great work, and I'm I'm glad. Uh, reading her interviews and stuff like that and I'm glad that, that she feels like this is her like this is all yeah. her this is not this is not influenced like from the record company like this is all her own work and ideas and all her own creativity it's 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 an amazing album it's, and they're letting really her do it good. they let her do it they've let her do it they've let her be herself mm-hmm. they let her go off do what you need to do come back give us the album we'll put it out and even in this covid time they've still found a way to market it as as best as they can and get it to as many different platforms as they can uh, and really put it out there i don't know how well it's doing but i know that as a product i know about it it's been in my face and it would have been in the anyone who would be open to it and would be wanting to listen to it um and then it just it backs it up and so for for me having been in this game for you know 15 20 years like ah um like to to be at a point where we have uh you know a black uk soul artist who has been co-signed by many people in the industry who has delivered three amazingly quality albums that are completely her own um is a wonderful place to be um mm. given the industry that we've been talking about in 98 that Lyndon had to deal with there's mm. no fucking there's no c and j remix here like <laughs> like there's no, there's no need for it read my mind ah oh. yeah sing that about me leanne just <laughs> like, if you were, who doesn't want to be that guy man read oh, my man. mind what it's, a tune oh. like and yeah just overall really good album that you know, I, I, I doubt anyone would struggle not to enjoy listening to. Yeah. So I, if I, you haven't already... I, yeah, I feel like you don't... And get into Leanne Yeah, I feel like you don't even have to be like a soul fan it's because it's 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 an eclectic mix of tunes. She sings within the soul context, but the way she writes, she has a broad palette and it's... it's, it's, it's Rich, man. Yeah, it's cool. It's really good and really easy listening, but with quality to it. Like, you could just put it on and it's just... It works in, in 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 so many ways. It, it works in like you sit, you can listen to it and analyze it, and like it it stands up. But you can just put it on in the background to and you're doing stuff, and it just works that way as well. It's yes, yeah, it's, it's it's really good. So yeah, I co-signed that one. Actually, do you have another one, or is that your? No, that's gonna be my one for today. So there's some um, new new little bits and pieces popping up, and I want to give it more of a listen. I don't know whether it's because um you recommended her. I just just an aside um that um. Is it Maria Dolstrom? Marie Maria Dolstrom. Marie Dolstrom. I'd never heard of her until you recommended her. Now she's everywhere. She's like, she's, I, I see it. <laughs> I, I see her everywhere. I don't know whether she was about and I just like ignored it. But now she's just everywhere and she is good as well. I co-signed that one as well. Hatch. Yeah. So good. Good, good, good. Anyway, that's it. Thank you, my man. That no was worries. another great one. 
Oh, we need to do. Uh, where can they find just you, Ash? Uh, no, just just follow Find Reflections Music Podcast. Start following those platforms. Start finding us on there. Let's let's start this conversation. The neo soul movement is in the current conversation at this moment in time. Um, it is. People it is. are talking about it over here, and they should be because, like, yeah, stuff's <laughs> popping off. We'll we'll go into that on our next podcast, <laughs> but like. You know, yeah, it's, it's a place we want to talk about this type of music. If you want a place where you can want to talk about it, come and engage with us and, yeah, let's have a conversation about it. Leave yeah. a comment on our gram when we post it. Tell yeah. us what you think about Lyndon and this album. Like, it'd be great to hear what what your thoughts are. Uh, you know, if you ma- if it matches up with ours, if you think something completely different. Um, but, yeah, just do connect with us. And yeah. if you can spread the words. Please do. We, Please we'd do. Love it. Yeah. We love you listening this far, though. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Jaguar writes, uh, if you're talking about some serious stuff, but I, I guess we'll we'll talk about that another time when we do a certain podcast, I think. Yeah. The next one. The next one, indeed. Like, yeah. Moving to the next wave, the next wave of Neo Soul. Yeah, which uh, is, which is, which is going to, which is going to be a mad one, <laughs> I think, because it's, uh, yeah, it just will be. It just be really good, and we uh, we get to talk about some artists that we haven't spoken about, some other artists, as well as bringing some other ones back. Cool. All right, man. Thanks again. Enjoy Thank the rest you. of your week, and uh, thanks for listening out there. Later, guys. Later on. Mm-hmm.